This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan and you are listening to the Langpreneur podcast. First of all, I want to thank all of you who have been supporting, been sending me messages um, over Facebook, Instagram, also email, even over LinkedIn. I've received so many messages from you guys telling me that you like the podcast, you like the interviews. Um, Well, that really keeps me motivated um, publishing a new article every single week. So thanks for your support and um yeah if you haven't said hello yet go to uh, go to one of our platforms you can send us a message over instagram or send us an email at info at tell us a little bit about yourself and we'd love to know you better you know tell us about what kind of business that you're running what you like about the podcast what you want to hear us talking about in future episodes um really would love to interact with you guys so make sure to do that you can do that over instagram um, just search for Langpreneur. We have an account there, um, or just send us an email at info at Okay, so what are we gonna do today? Well, today is already the tenth episode of our podcast, um, and so I thought let's do something special. Um, I'm not gonna do it alone in this interview. Um, I've also asked my dear friend Oli to uh, make a contribution. Oli and I have been running events here for Langpreneur uh, or with Langpreneur for the last few years now. We've organized several mastermind events. Um, 2018, Tenerife. This year, we did one in Croatia. And later this year in 2020, we are also planning to do another mastermind event in Crete, in Greece. Um, more about that later. Um, of course, last year we also organized in Language Influencer Summit and next month our exclusive workshop in Berlin. Um, uh, it's called Langpreneur Business Breakthrough. So we organize these events and, you know, we get to know all these Langpreneurs out there. Um, and, yeah, it's very interesting to see how many of us are making the same mistakes so in this episode we're going to talk about the seven mistakes that will kill your language business and how to avoid them so we're going to talk about the most common mistakes that langpreneurs make so it doesn't really matter if if you are a langpreneur if you are an established online business owner owner then this is going to be very useful for you but if you want to get started well then this is also going to be a very valuable episode for you because I mean, avoiding these mistakes that we're going to mention here is really potentially going to save you years of frustration and um, and time. So, yeah, make sure to pay attention. Um, as I said, I'm going to do this with Oli. Now, mistake number one. Um, Oli, tell us what is mistake number one. So the single biggest mistake that I see people making when they start a language business, and this is the biggest mistake by far, is to not decide on a very narrow niche um, for for the business, or in other words, a very specific group of people to to serve. Um, and so if you want an example of what not to do, then um, look at I Will Teach You a Language. So my, I Will Teach You a Language is my website, 
uh, and uh, when I first started I thought my kind of thought process was well hey I know a bunch of languages and there's other people out there these polyglot people who know a bunch of languages and the thing that I like the most um, the thing that's most interesting to me is how do we learn lots of languages and it's just kind of me 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 that was the whole the whole thing and so I started a, a website talking about my ideas about learning languages um, who's the target audience everybody under the sun um, who am I competing with everybody else in the world uh, and, and and this is an example of what not to do if I was going to go back to the beginning right back to the beginning and start again uh, then I would not do that I would choose something very very specific uh, and uh, you know I think a lot of people at this point they say like well but you know you've managed to grow your website in spite of that right but I think that very much this is the exception that proves the rule because um, you know, how many people how many other blogs are there out there about how to learn a language um, and you know how many how many are, are have grown how many are, are big um, you know and and also I I spent you know I was just blogging for like two or three years before I really had a proper business in place it took me I, I kind of got over that by just doing a huge amount of, of, of content creation and a huge amount of blogging and that's not practical for, um, for, for most people so anyway what should you do instead well you should pick a niche that's very very specific so some examples from other industries because I think it's always useful to look at other industries let's take uh, dating apps now everyone knows tinder and uh there's a few other kind of big, big dating apps out there, and then, but but what happened once these dating apps started to become, like, really really commonplace, you started to get more niche dating apps, didn't you? So, I remember reading an article about a some, one app where, um, only the women were allowed to send the first message. If you're a guy, you could kind of you could post your profile on there, but you weren't allowed to send. You weren't allowed to contact any of the women, right? So only the women could make that first contact. And so here is basically a dating app for women uh, ride sharing everyone knows uber right and you have lots of uber knockoffs uh, but recently in my in my in my kind of ad feed I've been getting shown ads by kind of these luxury limousine car car ride car hailing uh, ride hailing apps so this is for people who want uh, uber but with a kind of chauffeur and a nice car I don't know why they're showing me these ads but 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 they are and, uh, and so they're kind of niching down. They're targeting more and more specific people. Because here's what happens. When you start a business and, you're, and you target a very specific niche, you, um, you, know, you, you, okay, you don't target everybody under the sun, but what it means is everybody who connects with you, everybody who wants what you've got, you become magnetic for them, right? So for a lot of people who... Uh, let's, let's take the dating app example. Um, women are often real, really fed up with... With, uh, with with dating apps because well you know why right um, but and so for every woman who's ever thought that as soon as they see this dating app where okay it's only the women who are allowed to send messages this is a dating app for women straight away they're like oh finally something that I can I might actually want to use and so you you maybe you shut off half the world but the people that you do connect with are drawn to you in a kind of magnetic way and and so you can very very quickly attract people who will um, not only love what you do, but probably become a customer as well. And so this is the other real benefit of um, of choosing your uh, a specific niche, is that right from the beginning, when you do get people 
who identify with you they can become customers very very quickly because you've got exactly the thing that they're after let's look at a language example um, so I was emailing with uh, a lady the other day who was telling me about um, a she, she works as a, as, a, as a legal cleric so I think she transcribes um, she produces transcripts from 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 court and she would tell me that she noticed that where where in 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 the place that she, I won't say where or what it is, but the place that she works and in the particular language that that this is happening in, uh, these lawyers, these very well-paid, successful lawyers, were actually non-native speakers, and they were always making the same grammar mistakes. And she was saying to me, "Well, I think I should I should um, I should maybe choose this as a, as a as a niche for a business because you know." I'm seeing this problem and it's a very specific group of people maybe it's too narrow and I turned around and said to her no look this is absolutely perfect because you've, here's a group of people there's lots of lawyers out there there's a group of people you've got direct access to them you, you found something that you can help them with and guess what lawyers also make a lot of money so they'll be able to they'll be able to pay you uh, and so for this lady if she starts this this particular business then she may you know she, maybe she doesn't have thousands of customers Maybe she just has uh, you know a few dozen customers, but if each of them, each of those customers are paying her high rates to uh, to help fix their their grammar, which for a lawyer is super important, right? If they're getting up in court and making all these grammar mistakes, they want to fix those mistakes. So I said you should absolutely go for that. Uh, and so that's a kind of an unusual example with language, right? You can niche down in lots of different ways, from you know by nationality, by country, by gender, by profession. I'm not, so you've got loads and loads of examples. Um, so that is the uh, that's the big mistake that everybody makes. It's going far too broad. So don't do what I did. Instead, make sure you pick a niche. And, and remember, it's not forever. You can always expand and broaden out later. The important thing is to get started with uh, in an area that's going to get you traction and 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 get you that that forward momentum from the beginning. Great. Oli, thank you very much. Now let's move on to mistake number two. And for this one, I have two questions for you. Number one, who do you help? And what problems do you help your customers solve? Now, as Oli said, you need to be specific, right? You need to target a specific niche. Who are these people? What does your so-called customer avatar look like? And maybe you don't know that, you know, maybe you have been running an online language business for a while and you haven't been very specific about who you are targeting. Well, then what I recommend you to do is to get on a Skype call. I think that's the best way to do it. Get on a Skype call with your customers and really try to get an idea of who they are, what the frustrations are, their motivations, uh, you know, why they want to learn the language that you are teaching and why they've bought your product. What do they like about your product? Um, so you can do that over Skype. Just offer them like a free strategy strategy call, a free coaching session, uh, call it whatever you want. Um, offer value and get an idea of who your best buyers are and, you know, for what kind of people you you can deliver the most value, I would say. What kind of people do really like your stuff and, and, and buy it? And the best way to do that is by, you know, just <laughs> the old-fashioned way, talk to them one-on-one. You can also do that by sending out surveys, 
You know, you can just go to Google Forms, create a form, send out a survey to your list or at least your buyers to get a better idea of who these customers are. But I find that, you know, one-on-one or Skype, that's really the best way to get to know them. You know, they might say things that they won't otherwise say in a survey, for example. So who is this customer avatar? Who is it exactly that you help? And I can give you an example. At Language Boost, for example, we gave, you know, we have a, a kind of a similar background or similar story to what Ollie just said. In the beginning, we just wanted to create language learning materials for people who are passionate about learning foreign languages. But once we actually started surveying our customers, we found out that these people were uh, from another demographic. Most of the time, they were older, like in their 50s or 60s. Um, you know, Some of them were, for example, retired in Spain and wanted to learn Spanish because they wanted to be able to talk to their neighbors and you know get to know local friends um get to make local friends you know that kind of thing so you know once you understand more of who this ideal customer is your customer avatar um who that is and what their motivations are everything gets easier because then you can come with a so-called brand statement now let me just give you an example of a good brand statement so example number one I help English speakers who are retiring in Spain to reach a conversational level in Spanish in 90 days. See how specific that is? So when someone asks you the question, what do you do? I teach Spanish. That's not very specific. But if you say, I help English speakers who are retiring in Spain to reach a conversational level in Spanish in 90 days, that's very specific. If someone comes to your website who fits into that demographic, they're immediately interested and it's very easy to sell to those people. That's also what Oli was was saying in in um, in his uh, previous monologue here on the podcast, right? So you have to be specific, but also yeah, ideally you can you you define in one sentence who your clients are and what results you help them get. Okay, another example: I help international students in Germany to pass their German exam. Sorry, to pass their German language exams. Or we help language experts to turn their passion for languages into a profitable and scalable online business. And that's actually our brand statement that we use for Language Boost. Uh, sorry, not for Language Boost, for Langpreneur, of course. Um, yeah, so we basically asked ourselves, okay, who do we want to serve? Influencers, teachers, language fans. What is it what they want? More revenue, audience growth, and freedom. And we embedded that all into one sentence. So I would really like to ask you here to clearly define in one sentence who your customers are and what results you help them get. Uh, you help them get. If you manage to define it into one single sentence, everything is going to be so much easier. Copywriting, writing emails, um, everything is going to be much easier. Product pages, creating content, everything will be much easier once you nail your messaging, okay? So many people are not clear about what it is they do. That's mistake number two. Don't make that mistake. Come up with a good example of a so-called, come up with a good brand statement. That's all I'm saying here because everything will be much easier. Okay, that was enough. Let's move on to where mistake number three. Oli, tell us what is the third mistake that Langpreneurs make? So I got my beginnings in the, the blogging world uh, by listening to loads of podcasts. 
Um, that was my source of education, podcast after podcast. And, uh, you know, I, was, I, I must have listened to you know, hundreds of podcast episodes while I was kind of writing my, my, weekly, blog, my, re- my weekly blog posts. And I consumed you know, far more content from these, uh, these podcasts, these business tips and things, far more than I was ever able to, to take in or, or to implement. But I noticed that as I was you know, listening to different people's podcasts and listening to advice about business, one of the things that came up over and over again was, uh, don't wait before start before uh, starting an email list, before make, uh, collecting emails on your website. And I thought, well, that, that's weird. I don't really know why that would be so important. Why does it matter if you collect people's emails? But that same piece of advice kept coming up over and over again. Don't wait to start an email list. And... Um, you know, I would hear their explanations for why, and I would think, okay, for, fair enough. But you know, if doesn't, what's the point of me listening to all these podcasts if I'm not going to take their advice? And I think my resistance to it was that uh, you know I had to pay to start an email list, right? If you use a, a service like ConvertKit or Aweber or Mailchimp, uh, you've got to pay every month. Every new email subscriber you get, you have to pay for. And because I wasn't making any money at that point, um, I thought, well, hang on, that's <laughs> not sure I want to be spending fifty dollars a month just to have a bunch of email emails you know but i i kept that thought in my mind and you know what's the point of me listening to all this if i'm going to ignore the advice so i started an email list and man i am glad that i did because um what i have discovered since then which is exactly what they said but you know sometimes you have to learn these things for yourself right but what i discovered since then is that when you run an online business all of your money comes from your email list uh, now, there, we could go into huge amounts of detail um, with this, and I could spend a long time talking to you about why the money does not come from social media, even though you think it does, everybody think it does, and uh, everybody only seems to care about how many YouTube subscribers people have and Instagram followers and all this stuff. But I think um, I'll just ask you to take it on faith for me <laughs> that with an online business, 90% plus of your revenue will come from your email list and the basic reason is that with email uh, you control the communication so when you want to get a message out to somebody you can write an email hit send it goes into their single most important point of communication which is their email inbox and um, they get the message and then you're able to um, to ask them to take whatever action you want them to take whether it's you know buying a product or checking out a blog post or or uh, you know, watching your latest YouTube video, whatever it may be, email is where your revenue will come from. So, do not make the mistake of waiting to start an email list, uh, because if you've done what I suggested earlier, which is to focus on a real specific niche, so you're targeting people who want what you've got to offer, then that email list can start to pay for itself very, very soon. Because um, that's you know, let, let's say you've got ten people on your email list. If you have a proper niche, then they should want to buy whatever product or service you have because you've properly niched down and you've targeted your customer properly, etc. Right? So even with those 10 emails, you're able to start making money right away. So if you decide not to collect emails from the beginning, you are consciously making a decision that you don't want to be able to um, to sell whatever it is that you have to sell. So don't make this mistake start your email list from the beginning thank you Oli so let's talk about the next mistake that Langpreneurs make and you know the next mistake is that many of us 
are charging too little for their courses. There was one person who joined one of our mastermind events and uh, he or she had a membership course with hundreds of students in it, but he or she was only charging $10 per month. Now, if you're charging such a low price, it's very hard for potential customers to take you seriously. And even if they decide to enroll, it's very likely that they're not going to get any results because there's almost no financial commitment. You see, if you are a customer and if you're serious about learning, I don't know, let's say learning Japanese, if you put $500 down the line, you know, you're going to be, you're probably going to do the work because you're really committed. You've just spent all that money. You know, what? (laughs) You would feel terrible if you don't do anything with that course, right? So we often see that, you know, and I actually do have, um, you know, some people ask us if they can get access for free. Now, I do have a few old friends who um, say, hey, Jan, uh, you know, I want to learn French. Can you recommend me uh, a good course? And I said, you know what? We have many courses at Language Boost. I will give you access for free. You know, these are like old friends that have been known for like 20 years or something. And, you know, I give them access to the course. And on Teachable, I can, um, on the platform that we use to host our course, I can actually see... Uh, how often that they log in and if they go through all the content and you know the people who pay the least are the people who get the least result because there's just no financial commitment so what we see at language boost for example is the more we charge for courses the happier our students are or the more results that they get the better testimonials that we get you know think about it what what, what is it exactly what you're selling are you selling a digital course or are you selling a result? Like if you help people to get from zero to a conversational level in Spanish, let's say Spanish, in 90 days, how much can that be worth to someone? Much more than 100 200 or $300 most of the time, right? So why won't you be able to charge two or $300 for, for a course. And I've even seen some some guys, some Langpreneurs who are charging uh, $1,000 for language courses. And they are selling. So it's really possible. Um, yeah, so ask yourself the question, what is the results that I'm selling? And if you're not selling results, well, first of all, that, that's another mistake. You should sell results. Don't sell content. Don't talk about, don't talk too much about you know what your students exactly get how many videos in the course how many words are they going to learn these are all rational things right talk about the results because that's what sells so also on the sales page you should be talking about results and the benefits of your course for like 80% then you can maybe another 20% you can talk about the uh, the features of your course but the main copy should always be about the results because if you manage to sell results, you can charge much more. And it's really possible to charge, um, I would say, at least $100, but also two, $300 uh, quite easily in our industry. Um, yeah. So if you have a product that you believe in, charge what it's worth. Even if your audience is in country where people don't earn higher wages, there's always, you know, always going to be a bunch of people out there who are willing to pay high prices to learn with you, right? Because if someone likes you and they believe in your method, they believe in what you offer, and they believe that the only way to learn a language using this certain method 
with you is by buying that course then and they have the money of course yes of course they need to have a budget then they're gonna buy your course and it doesn't really matter you know if it's a hundred dollars or three hundred dollars in the end because um you are unique your course is good and you are selling results that they might not get with a regular language course so don't charge too little charge what your courses are worth okay now let's move on to mistake number five right okay so you want to start making a product of some kind you want to start offering a service of some kind and you're really excited about it you yeah, you're sure it's going to be super successful um, and and so the question is well what do you do first what's the first thing that you do now I got an email the other day from a guy who was um, who was very excited about a new uh, a new website that he wanted to build and um, he was asking me a bunch of questions about how to how to do it and he said you know I need to uh, I need to raise funding I need to um, have a team of developers to build the website. I need to sort out my limited corporation. I need to make sure I'm paying my taxes. I need to get my team in place. This, that, and the other. How, you know, how many, what kind of budget should I allocate for this? What are the, what are the risks, etc., etc. And I think this this chap had come from a, a corporate background, so he's used to, he's used to kind of thinking on that scale when something has been, you know, a, a project has been decided, it's been signed off, and then it's your job to actually make sure it, see you see it through. Um, so here's the thing, with online business, you have a wonderful opportunity. Um, and it comes from the fact that you're, you, that you're very small. And you might just, might just be you who's running this business. And the great thing that you get from this is the opportunity to try stuff out quickly and nimbly without committing too much. Right? So when you're by yourself, you don't want to spend too much money or invest too much money up front because you stand the chance of losing it all and I think that's why a lot of the time people think oh business is risky but actually business doesn't have to be risky business can be like the most really the safest thing under the sun because you can get you can get proof that your thing is going to work before you actually spend any money at all and this is known as validating an idea so let's say that you wanted to start a website which teaches I don't know so let's pick pick a, a kind of random a random crazy crazy niche hotel managers uh, Chinese because hotels are full of uh, Chinese tourists in London and um, hotel managers need to speak Chinese right so that's your idea I want to make I want to teach Chinese to hotel managers and so you think to yourself right okay, well I need this this website with an interactive virtual reality augmented reality I don't know what AI sort of hotel thing and it's gonna be amazing and you're gonna you know all this stuff you want to build this kind of fancy website and you have to have teams of people to develop it, etc., etc. Uh, and that's what you want to make, right? Now, obviously, this is going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. Um, and so, what you will not do, what you shouldn't do, is to actually go and get that that website built. Instead, what you want to do is to check or validate that hotel managers in London do, in fact, uh, want want Chinese lessons. Because here's the thing. It, you might think that they need your fancy VR website to actually uh, learn with you, but the truth of the matter is that if you were, if they were to just take a lesson with you on Skype, it's pretty much the same thing. The result is the same. And so my my challenge to you would be, well, okay, why don't you go and sell a bunch of lessons on Skype to these hotel managers? You know, offer a decent, you know, cheap cheap price if you want. 
um, make it cheap but go, on, go out and offer Chinese lessons to hotel managers in London just to email them or walk in I don't know do something that's free and uh, pitch the kind of lessons that you want to give to them pitch the the result that you want for them so you say look I'm going to teach you to be able to chat comfortably with Chinese tourists when they arrive at the at the hotel but we're not going to do it on my fancy website we're just going to do it over Skype okay uh, so you pitch that to them and go and go and sell a bunch of Skype lesson packages uh, with these hotel managers and then go and teach those lessons and then if you find that you that, that, that you know hotel managers are you know breaking down the doors to have lessons with you and they're throwing money at you and it's a real you know you're getting a really strong reaction right now you're at a point where you can start to invest more money because you've got proof that it's going to work right um that is the correct way to do it but not only that because you've taught all of these lessons to these hotel managers you've you've had a chance to talk to them uh, you've you found out more about what they want, about their real pain points. You, you've got to know them. So now the website that you're going to go and build when you do invest that money is going to be it's going to be much more along the lines of what you know they want, right? You've proven the concept, you've validated the uh, the idea, and you're going to include features which you know are going to be in demand by them. So that is how you validate an idea for free before you commit any money and actually make sure that your project is going to be a success. So don't make the mistake of throwing a bunch of money developing fancy videos and technology uh, before you've actually validated your idea. Okay, thanks. Mistake number six has to do with mindset. Want to do this one as well, Oli? Well, so I, I am a teacher at heart. Um, I, I guess I was a language learner first, but I, I've taught languages for many years and my, my pathway into um, online business and, and and all that was through teaching languages and I think that the fact that I can teach and was trained to teach means you know meant for me that I was I was quite, I was confident enough to actually talk about language learning and teaching and stuff online I had the kind of academic professional confidence to do that and I think a lot of people listening to this will as well because you know if you are you know the, the, if you're, you know, thinking about becoming a, a langpreneur, a language entrepreneur, then chances are you've got a background with languages, right? So you, you probably care about your languages. You know, you've, you're, you're probably qualified and very, very um, capable. Now, this can be good to kind of give you the confidence that, that you know what you're talking about. But as with all art art-related things it comes with a, bun- with, with a bunch of serious uh, problems as well uh, and it's the kind of starving artist uh, syndrome which is really really prevalent among artists musicians etc etc i saw this when i was a you know when i was a working musician back in my uh, in my 20s uh, and I, i'd saw i'd see how how friends of mine who are extraordinarily talented jazz musicians would just they wouldn't ever promote themselves because they thought it wasn't it, it was kind of beneath them artistically, right? They were you know, selling out to, to promote themselves. So they would just resist it. And they, they would have this attitude of, oh, well, the, if the music's good enough, then people will come and I'll be, I'll be famous. And it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, so the, some of the most successful people out there, I think most, of, most very successful artists have worked very, very hard at, at understanding how to promote and market themselves as well. It's just the way the world works. And so, for language teachers, what that what that means is you've it's super important to 
develop the entrepreneurial mindset that you need to to develop the business side of things because the, the language teaching mindset it will give all your you give your work lots of credibility and academic rigor and all of that but it won't sell anything um, and I think for me the biggest transformation I've been through one of the biggest at least is actually learning to think like a like an entrepreneur and and think like an entrepreneur first and uh, and and as a a teacher second or, or or at least to to think of the entre- entrepreneurial side I guess actually to separate the things out separate the entrepreneurial side from the teaching side because obviously you know when I make products these days um, language courses or when I write books I'm thinking you know, in terms of the content I'm thinking in terms of the, the, the quality of the content and the language work and the methodology and all of that but what comes before that is the entrepreneurial stuff right that's thinking that what does the market want is this gonna work is this gonna sell uh, and I've, and if it wasn't for for me thinking in those terms, the stuff that I, you know, toil away at creating just wouldn't sell, and people wouldn't buy it. Um, and so this 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 entrepreneurial mindset is is so important to cultivate because if you don't, you really run the risk of um, working very hard at something that never ever goes anywhere. And a lot of this. A lot of what this comes down to, I think, is kind of, in a way, getting over yourself. And what I mean by that is the words that you use to sell things, the way that you go about thinking about what to make, um, is very, it's, it's very, very different from the natural mindset that a, that a teacher might have. I think, I think copywriting is the best example of this. Yeah? I'm, I'm going through a phase at the moment where I am, I, I kind of feel like I'm Oh, wow, there's a, sorry, there's a plane flying in <laughs> over my head. I'm finally kind of getting the confidence now, I feel, after many years, to write copy on my sales pages and things at a level that is simple and basic, at, at the basic and simple level that it needs to be. You know, copywriting, when, when you're writing stuff to be sold on the internet, it should be written at a, kind of, at, at a level that an eight-year-old can understand. And this is so counterintuitive for people who care about what they do, right? And I'm, I, I'm a classic example of this. You know, if you if you really care about language teaching, you want to describe what you do in very accurate terms. You want to, you know, talk about how you're pitching something at a certain CFR level, and it uses this linguistic methodology to do. I don't know what, but actually, what what selling stuff is all about is writing something in simple terms that someone can understand um, when they're you know scrolling on their smartphone whilst they're on the train you've got to write for the customer not for yourself and um, this is very difficult to do if you care about what you do but it's one of the it's an example of a, of a, of a skill set that you've either got to develop yourself or find someone who can do for you you know um, in my case because I really care about copywriting I, I've tried to do it myself but it's such a strange experience having to kind of learn to write like an eight-year-old um, in order to to take your your copywriting to the next level, and but this is something that you, that I've kind of got to a, a development that I've arrived at through thinking in terms of the entrepreneurial mindset. Like, what do I need to do to take my stuff to the next level? And uh, I've I realised that my copywriting is holding me back. And you know, I'm I've always put a lot of work into my copy. Um, people have often told me that I'm I'm quite good at it, but I'm just like not I'm not <laughs> satisfied. I I need to I need to 
do a lot more work on it and it, and it's it goes in kind of direct contradiction to what I want to write as the as the the language learner as the language teacher you know um, but that's that's kind of part of the process similarly uh, you know when you're thinking about your about your business um, things like including well, everything to do with sales. Let's be honest. Actually, asking for someone, asking someone to buy something from you in the first place, including an upsell. Um, uh, you know, asking people to buy more stuff. Um, you know, all, all things which are extremely uncomfortable to do for the first time, but are absolutely essential to to being able to to create a business that's that can survive on its own two feet. Um, and so what I would encourage you to do with this is to listen to podcasts like this, listen to other business podcasts, read books, and just notice and pay very close attention to what does the business look like that underlies the, the topic, right? So we're not really teaching language, we're an education company, and what are the elements of that educational of that education company? This is the, the, the entrepreneurial mindset, and this is what you have to really strive to develop over the over the years all right want to know what the seventh and last mistake is that langpreneurs make trying to do it alone yes and i've been guilty of this myself as well so google is a great resource when it comes to learning about online business right you can also read books listen to podcasts just like you're doing now or watching you know these how-to videos on youtube it's all great and highly recommended for those who want to find answers to a specific question. However, meeting successful people who are a few steps ahead of you is so much more powerful. And I actually, you know, I remember it's like six or seven years ago, I went to visit Oli in Egypt when he was working there as a, he was still working for the British Council and he was working on our teacher language, but mainly in the evenings and I was asking him I said why are you doing with this thing why are you working so hard on this blog you know at the time I couldn't really believe that people could make money off a blog right and he said well I'm, I'm building a business here I said, but how does it work and he showed me you know he had created an ebook and he was selling it for I think it was only seven dollars at the time but he was he was making some money and it was not much but it really changed my beliefs because I for the first time in my life I saw that it's really possible to make um, well, it was almost passive income of a, a language block, right? So I think it's often these moments, you know, it's only when we get to spend time with the people who have made it that we actually realize that we can do the same ourselves. Surrounding ourselves with other successful people makes us accountable and helps us develop the right mindset. You see, if you have many friends that are all working very hard on something, you know, they have high expectations of you as well. So I, th I really find that the best motivation to build um, to build an online business. It's the same thing for me here doing the podcast now. I know that all of you guys, you guys are going to have high, you guys are having high expectations of the podcast, right? That's what, what keeps me accountable. Um, yeah, so there's a famous quote. Like they say, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's certainly the case for Langpreneurs as well. So, of course, it's, you know, it's good to listen to podcasts, to look for information online. I do that all the time, but don't forget to 
to connect to the people when there is a human aspect it's so much easier now like these days and I, I know many langpreneurs and some of them are very su- successful and whenever i have a question i can go to google and maybe i can find the answer but you know once i reach out to my friends in this industry you know those those guys they know me they know my business they know my audience the answers are so much better and i wouldn't be able to find you know these customize answers anywhere on the internet and you know you can also build this network of other entrepreneurs a peer group of people who are on the same mission now the question of course how can you do that and that's where uh, why we want to invite you to join our live events because that's really the place to be if you want to get to know network with and learn from other successful entrepreneurs out there now as i briefly mentioned in the introduction of this episode in the end of march on the 28th and the 29th Oli and i are giving an exclusive workshop in berlin um, where we will po- personally coach you through the process of building an online language business of your dreams so that you can make your own mark on the world with the skills you have worked so hard to develop so if you have um Yeah, so if you are a beginner or maybe you have an existing language business and you want to take your business to the next level, you know, maybe you've been stuck for a while, you've been working so hard but you're, you're not do not really have the traction, then this is really the place for you to be because you're going to have the opportunity to network with other entrepreneurs. There's going to be a lot of networking, lots of mastermind session sessions and um yeah, you're really going to be able to ask the other um langpreneurs the other participants but also Oli and I personally for our input in order to help you with the challenges that you are currently facing and uh yeah taking your business to the next level so it will really be it's really going to be a combination of coaching talks um Oli has prepared um lots of well talks uh, a few presentations but the focus will be on you so it will be like 50-50 a mix of coaching talks and um mastermind sessions and uh yeah we're also going to help you ourselves so it's going to be a very small intimate event um actually we were planning to organize it for like 50 people so we have made it smaller we wanted it to be more intimate so that we can give you more personal attention so there's maximum going to be 30 people and um it's not particularly cheap but it's going to be well worth the money if you are willing to um um yeah to take action after the workshop as well right i wish that something like this existed when i started language boost because it would, i would really have saved years of learning um yeah well this is definitely for you if you want to have a head start starting a new language business or if you have a language business but you're kind of missing the traction you know um we are there to help you and also the other participants of course now as i also briefly mentioned later on this year in october we are going to give a mastermind event it's even more exclusive it's for 10 participants max and it's going to take place in greece uh, sorry in crete in greece so we we made um we booked this huge villa just like we do every year this time is going to be increased so we booked this huge villa with a swimming pool a super nice view it's going to be a private chef and yeah it's a mastermind event so we arrive on the sunday in the sunday evening you know we have a uh, 
good barbecue get to know each other you're going to get to know the other participants and then on the monday we are going to uh, do hot seat sessions where you get 45 minutes to present your problem and then all the other problems or challenges that you are facing in your business and then all the other participants are going to give their best input to help you overcome those obstacles um yeah and the same thing um on, on the other days during the event so if that sounds like something for you, and yeah, this is actually only for people who already have an existing, I would say a successful language business, um, those people are going to get the most out of this event. Okay, so yeah, well, I hope this, that um, this has been a, a valuable, useful podcast episode f- uh, for you. If you want to... If you want to read the uh, the written version of this interview, I would highly recommend you to go to our website langpreneur.com and then on in the um, on the menu on the top there is um, yeah click on podcast and then go to podcast number ten and then you can see the written form of this interview, um, including all the links of the events that I just mentioned. Okay. Um, Yeah, guys, that was it. Thank you very much for listening and I'm looking forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.